Welcome to the Sunday morning podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Burgess Hill. This message is by Kevin Vanderput. Now this chapter, like the previous one in chapter 12, Paul is really getting on to the practicals of stuff, to the nitty-gritty of things. He's laid out the theory, if you'd like, what the, the gospel is for so many chapters, and now he's like answering the question, well, how? What does it look like, Paul, to do something about all of this? How do we put all of this in practice? Well, here it is, chapter 13, very practical. It even answers the question, why, as well, which we'll get into at the end. But first, let's start with how. And the how really starts with a debt that we all have. Paul speaks about the debt that we have in this chapter today, but actually he speaks about debts uh, early on in the book of Romans as well. Like in chapter 1, he mentions, I am indebted to both Greek and barbarians, both to wise and unwise, so as much as in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. So the debt to preach the gospel. Later on in chapter 8, he says, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So there is a debt there to live according to the Spirit. And finally, in the chapter of today, right after saying, pay your taxes, pay the people what you owe them, Paul says, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another, for whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. Except the continuing debt to love one another. Love is a debt that we can never fully repay, is what Paul is saying here. Paul is saying we can never love enough. We can never say, I'm done. That's it. I've, I've ticked the box. I've loved enough. This is over now. I can move on. We can never say that there is repay. And then he says, love fulfills the law. Now, he doesn't say love replaces the law, which is important because there is love and there is the law. And it's not that the law don't matter no more, but they complete each other, if you like. Here's what um, scholar John Stott, he says in his commentary for, for, for Romans. He says, the truth is that love cannot manage on its own without an objective moral standard. That is why Paul wrote, not that love is the end of law, but that love is the fulfillment of law. For love and law need each other. Love needs law for its direction, while law needs love for its inspiration beautifully put. I couldn't have put it like that, so that's why I read the commentary. See his very good penmanship there. Uh, Whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. Jesus calls us to love, right? And so does Paul right here in Romans. All throughout the book, it's not the first time that we talk about love in those past few months because Paul repeats time and again what it means to love and explains it in different ways. Why? Because Paul was a really good speaker. He knows that we need a few times to hear stuff to not only get it in our heads, but then let alone get it in our heads, but then act upon it and live out these truths. And so we have been loved perfectly by God. Would you agree? He loves us in a perfect way. While we were still sinners, Christ 
died for us, the word says. Well, we didn't love him when we were slaves to our sin. He came to earth, lived a perfect life, showed the example of what it meant to truly love. Then he died on the cross and rose again, enabling us to have this wonderful relationship with him as a result. And now Paul is saying, hey, everything you've experienced, package it and let it out so that others can know what true love looks like. A love that never fails, that never stops, that never judges, that never changes. We can never repay that debt of love fully. That continuing debt of love is there. So we always are called to love people around us. Have you ever, I have no idea how it's called, but have you ever played this um, game? I, I used to play as a kid. Uh, my dad would give me that probably because he didn't want to play with me at the time. I, I, I put that together later. But you have like a racket thing and you have a little ball, but there's a, there's a rope attached to it. So you just go like this and it always comes back. So you don't need another person to play with. It's a bit like this continuing debt of love. You send it out and then it comes back and you send it out and it's never ending, right? You just keep loving. That's the image I had in my, that, this is it insight into my brain that you have right there. So I was thinking, ah, oh, this is like uh, the continuing debt of love. Anyway, uh, we're going to read another passage this morning that will uh, help us um, illustrate what Paul is really saying. It's a very famous passage. You'll recognize it as I'm reading it. It says, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. Oh, he replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, beautiful story. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wound, pouring oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, well, the one who had mercy on him, Jesus. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. What happens in this story? We not only have one, but two men that stopped loving, right? That ignored that debt of love that we all have, that continuing debt. Maybe they thought, well, I've loved enough or I've done enough for today or I'm really busy or I'm, and ignored that debt of love that we all have. The funny thing is that both the priest and the Levite would have been people that knew what the law was, that knew what the law was saying. They should be people of love and compassion, 
But then the man that stopped was a Samaritan. Now, a Samaritan wasn't well seen in the eyes of God's people. Out of everyone, they probably, in their mind, as Jesus was challenging the guy, would have been the least expected person to stop and do something about it. So Samaritans weren't very well seen, but the Samaritan didn't stop loving. In fact, he went above and beyond to love that person. He gave of himself, of his time. He changed his plans so that it would happen. He not only did that, but gave of himself, like financially gave. And then he uh, did all of that and saved that person or helped that person. See, the priest and the Levite would have known the law and talked about how it's Good to love, but the Samaritan demonstrated that love in practice on that very day. He recognized the need and he did something about it. He met that need with love, a very practical act of love in time, money, planning, everything he did. And, 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 and again, we are called to recognize the need around us. Those people, everyone, not just us, because last week was really focused on the body, right? Internally, we called to love one another internally um, as part of the body. But beyond that, we are called to love the world around us, to recognize the need and pay that debt of love constantly. All throughout scriptures, people try to test Jesus, right? Like this teacher saying, well, who's really my neighbor? And, and you can see that he had a thought behind what he was asking. He, at first, oh, can you just tell me what the law says? But then, who is really my neighbor? And the word neighbor in our head would imply closeness, right? So maybe I just have to be neighborly. I just have to be good. I just have to love in that way the people around me, my family, my friends, maybe my direct neighbor. I don't know, where does neighbor stop, you know? But Jesus, by sharing the story he did in, involving a Samaritan, but a complete stranger on the side of the road, he's showing, hey, everyone, everyone is your neighbor. There is no a limitation. There's not a limitation to that. We are meant to be loving everyone. Without end, we owe everyone that debt of love because of what Jesus has done for us. He is calling us to do the same to others. And Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, he asks Jesus and he says, hey mate, does it ever end? Are we ever, like he asked the question, right? He, he didn't have uh, Romans at the time that says it's continuing debt. So he's asking the question, hey, Jesus, does it ever end? Like, am I ever good? Can I ever say, okay, debt's been repaid? And, and it goes like this in, in Matthew. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother who sins against me? Up to seven times. Asking, yeah, I, I want to love people, but people are going to disappoint us. People are not going to behave the way we expect them to. People are going to have their own way and go the wrong way and whatever. And how many times, Jesus, do I have to stick by them and love them beyond whatever is happening? And Jesus answers, I tell you, not just seven times, but 77 times. Now, this is not to, me, to mean, okay, calculate 77 and then you just stop loving. It's essentially saying you just keep on loving them, yeah? And look at the story, right? Right after the next verse, Jesus jumps into a story and he says this, because of this, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlements, a debtor was brought to him owing 10,000 talents. Since the man was unable to pay, the master ordered what 
ordered that he would be sold, sorry, the master ordered that he be sold to pay his debts, along with his wife and children and everything he owned. Then the servant fell on his knees before him. Have patience with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. His master had compassion on him, forgave his debt, and released him. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants, so people under him now, who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him and began to choke him, saying, pay back what you owe me. So his fellow servant fell down and begged him, have patience with me, I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay his debt. When his fellow servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed. And they went and recounted all of that to their master. Then the master summoned, sorry, summoned him and declared, you wicked servant. I forgive all your debt because you begged me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should repay all that he owed. That is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Again, there it speaks about debt, right? And we have been forgiven an incredible debt, right? Jesus took it all upon the cross, took it all upon himself so that we could be free. He written all off. He took all our sin away so that we could have this beautiful relationship with him so that we could live life a different way and become a reflection of his love on the earth. And so he calls us to be not like that servant, but then to go around and extend that love to others. So that is the how. How do we put in place these 11 chapters of the gospel and 12 starting to get very practical? How do we put it all in place? Paul is saying love. Just continue loving people in everything that you do, in everything that you say. Continue to love people because it is in your behavior, in how you act, in how you think, in how you say things that people will know that you are different and they will see me through you in those moments. Continue to love. And then Paul goes on at the end of the chapter and answers the why question. He says this, verse 11, and do this, understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Put on the armor of light. Of light. God is calling us not to live like the world does, not to use the same standards. So when the world stops loving, when the world moves on, when the world judges, when the world accuses, when the world does all of that, he's saying, don't do that. Put on the armor of light. Put on the armor of light. Let it shine in the darkness of everything that's happening. Put on the armor of light. Understand the time that we are in is so important to wake up. Wake up from your slumber. Put on the armor of light because the day of salvation is near. And we all know Jesus is coming back. We all know that we certainly live nearer to that day than Paul did when he wrote that, right? The day is near and it's so important for us as the church to wake up from our slumber, to look alive, not that we haven't been, but shine bright 
Let this light go forth in his love. Put on the armor of life. Live in the light. Don't live like the others do because that's what will attract them to you. Myself, I guess God would say, it's the way you live. It's your heart for people. It's the love you show them. God is calling his church to wake up from its slumber because the day is near. Salvation is at hand and we cannot let darkness roam around. We put on the armor of light. Shine God's love wherever we go. And that has to look like something. Right? That has to look like something. It cannot just be empty words and us saying to our neighbor, love you, mate. Have a great day. It has to look like something. It has to maybe take our time. It has to maybe take our finances. It has to maybe take a change of plans so that those people understand, hey, mate, I'm not just saying it. I truly, truly love you. We cannot outsource this debt. We cannot outsource it to someone else. Well, well, if I pass by this person, someone else will stop, right? Someone else stopped to help the person the Samaritan did. So maybe I can say, well, I don't need to love my neighbor because Matt doesn't live far off the road. He, he can get in touch and love my neighbor. I can just get on and watch Netflix or whatever I do in my life. No, we cannot outsource this debt, right? We have a responsibility, not only to love one another within the body, which is what we were talking about last week, which is great and important, but to extend that love beyond that to the world. It has to look like something. And maybe in our lives, maybe there's people that have been on the fringes of our lives that we have stopped loving. Now, we might not have said, "Mm, I'm done with that person. But maybe those people have drifted off slowly, further and further. Maybe they haven't been at the forefront of our thinking. Maybe we were starting to, or we, we, we had a habit to pray for them, to interact with them, to whatever, and that slowly drifted off. I'm saying that because I know it's a reality in my life, right? I'm not speaking to you guys as this perfect guy that's saying, you guys do better because I'm already, no, we're all in the same boat, right? As I'm preparing those messages, God is highlighting stuff to me in my life, and that becomes the vulnerable, vulnerable space in which I then put my life uh, forward so that we can learn from everything. I'm taken back and realizing how important it is for us to do this. My priorities maybe have to shift somewhere. Yes, it's great to do church on a Sunday. Yes, I love you all dearly and I'm thankful for everything that God is doing in our community. But he can't stop just at this community right? It can't just stop at this community. My job as a Christian, not as a pastor, as a Christian, as a son of God, needs to extend beyond the community of Christian that we already are in this town. And if God speaks about this town and a revival and his spirit moving and taking over and the turning of the tide of a godless society, that's our... Um, it's our what? It's our, it's going to come back. Uh, turning the tide of a godless society is what's put on our website to say who we are as kingdom faith, whatever, the, whatever that title word is, our motto, or whatever. You get what I'm saying? I'm not British. Grace abounds. <laughs> 
turning the tide of a godless society. God isn't going to suddenly make everything explode and everything's going to change. Yes, there are moves of the Spirit where God does something special on a night, on a week, on a month, on a year. But he activates something through each of us. It's through us that God's going to revive, that God's going to move. It's us. Okay, people out there are the fruits of revival. Revival is what happens with the people in here, right? God does something in us as we cry out to him, as we pray to him, as we go on our knees and pray for our town, pray for what he's doing, pray for what he wants to do out there. God does something in us that transforms us where we realize, hey, something has to change, something has to switch. His spirit does something fresh in us and that release. And what happens then as a result in the town is the fruit of the revival, right? That is the people coming in. That is the healing taking place. That is lives being transformed. That is all of that changing, turning the tide of a godless society. He's going to do it through you. He's not just going to, you're not just going to wake up tomorrow. Revival has taken place. Everything's changed. Oh, thank you, Jesus. This is great. No, he's going to use each of us to do it. And it's going to require something from us in it. There's going to be a need and we're going to have to fulfill or to fill that need in a way. Our behavior, the way we behave, the armor of life, everything that we are needs to look visibly different from the world. Right? That's what Paul is saying there. Because the day is nearer. Jesus is coming back. And we know God's heart is for everyone to be saved. He's for everyone to be saved. And so we have to play our part in that. And I think God is slowly but surely turning our attention outward, outward. God has said to us as a church, I don't know how many years back, people that have been around, get everything towards the harvest. I remember probably second year of Bible college, right? Something like that. Sabrina, yeah, ages, right? So that would have been 20... uh, 17, 18, somewhere there. Get everything towards the harvest. Change the way you work so that everything is geared towards out there. So that people, when they come in, have a pathway that they can follow. That they have. So we've started changing things. But we're in 2022. And how many of you know things take time? Things take time and, and God works gently and, and allows that grace and process to happen. And we are further now than we were back then. But I believe that there's new levels of things that God wants us to tap into. Someone had a picture this week um, uh, while we were praying about uh, like video games, you know, and, and you have different levels. And when you reach the end, you complete a level, you go to another level. Uh, and, and God essentially saying there are new levels that are there, that we, that he wants us as people, each of us, to tap into. And, and maybe that looks like loving people in a different way. Maybe that looks like changing our day-to-day thing or putting our priorities differently or letting our days be interrupted somewhere. And I kid you not, that's not the easiest thing to do, right? We live in a, a, a new-built estate, and uh, new-built estates are a very... Um, compact uh, in the way they're built. So uh, my door is here um, and my neighbor's door is there somehow. So it's like when we come out the door 
at the same time, we basically kiss every time. Um, it's like, oh, oh, you're right there, okay. Um, and so it's very, so, and it's very interesting because it's all young families, so they have, they have kids around, and kids don't want to stay in the house because the house is too small, so they're all on the street all the time. So every time we come home, there's someone outside. And then you're not going to ignore them, right, because they're your neighbors, so you're going to say hi, but then the hi starts with hi, and then you don't want to end there, so hi, how are you doing? Oh, well, I'm doing better. You're there for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes. By the time you're done with that one, another one has come out. Oh, hey, how you doing? And then you're like, well, I got stuff to do. Like Tesco's waiting for me and, and, and Gabriel's crying inside the house. And Sharon's like, where have you been? Well, I, there was this neighbor that came out and then, and then the other. You get what I'm saying? But in there, there is something in us investing in those relationships, in letting that be interrupted and maybe... I've had that as well. The neighbor says, hey, I really need, you, need your help with something. Do you want to come in for a minute or whatever? And suddenly you were not, you're not going into your house anymore, but in that house. And, and it's, just, it's just part of it, right? But we are showing and demonstrating love to people in that way. And um, I'm, I'm way off the notes here, and time is running. But we need to act in love when maybe the world doesn't. We need to go beyond the extra step, continuing that debt of love, right? Not to give in to anything else. And maybe you thought I had forgotten, but there's another section in that chapter that we read at the very beginning where perhaps most people wouldn't act in love. And he says in verse 1, right, Paul says, let everyone be subject to governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. Now we can love on a very one-to-one basis and on very practical way, singular people. But we can also show how we are different, how we are bearers of the armor of light, how we are not behaving like the world does, how we love beyond things on a bigger scale. And this is what Paul is referring to here, right? Again, John Stark, the, the guy who wrote a commentary on Romans, he says, Paul gives us these verses as a very talking about the governing bit, the government bit, as a very positive concept of state. In consequence, Christians who recognize that the state's authority and ministry comes from God will do more than tolerate it as if it were a necessary evil. Consentious Christian citizen will submit to its authority, honor its representative, pay its taxes, and pray for its welfare. They will also encourage the state to fulfill its God-given role, and in so far as they have the opportunity, actively participate in its work. We are called to go beyond, right? And when people maybe start criticizing, maybe start rebelling, maybe start whatever, we are called to pray. We are called to honor. We are called. And you know what the funny thing is that we often forget? In what context is Paul writing at that point? Roman, what's the word? Roman occupation, Roman, it wasn't a nice government in place at the time. It was the Israelites, God's people, whoever, were under Roman occupation. It wasn't a democracy. It wasn't that they had an opportunity to say anything. There was taxes upon taxes upon taxes. It wasn't a nice way of living. They had a tax just for breathing. 
in the place. Just for being there, you pay taxes. You pay taxes as a fisherman. For every fish you caught, there was a tax to pay. So the more fish you caught, the more taxes they were to pay. They were pressed down, pressured from every side. And Paul says, pray, honor, don't rebel against the authority because God is the ultimate authority and he remains in charge. And so we want to be these people that go the extra step in that as well. When the world rebels, speaks strongly, doesn't submit, we will submit, pray, pay taxes, love people, pray for our government. We demonstrate that love because the hour is near. Because in everything that we do, in everything that we are, in everything that we say, that love has to shine through, that light has to come through, that love is the glue that brings us all together as a body, but that enables people to start sticking to what's happening long enough to hear the truth of what Jesus has done for them. Love is that defining factor. It says in the word, if I speak the tongues of men or angels but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or clinging symbol. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mystery and all knowledge, if I have faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all that I possess, the poor, and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. We hear the word love thrown around in church so easily because so much of the Bible is centered around that, but we cannot and never should let it become an empty word. Because it's a loaded one. It's a loaded word because loving the way that Jesus did looks like something. It's not only about saying it on a Sunday of every day, but it's about action. Love. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And guess what? The chapter keeps going after that. Love looks like something is loaded, and it is our responsibility to push that load out to people. Love always perseveres. We are called to love that debt of love that we owe everyone around us because of what Jesus has done for us, to love like our master did. Jesus showed the way. We just need to keep walking in it, right? So we see a need and we don't just walk by. We don't ignore the guy on the side of the road. We don't be like the priest and the Levite that stopped loving. We don't behave as the world does, but we respond to that need. We always love. We always love. And I think there's that fresh call to open our eyes and see the world around us. To open our eyes and say, okay, God, you've been taking us through this book of Romans for most of the year now. So what? There's always a so what with God. There's a so that with God. There's always a so that. And not working to what he's saying. It's not just about accumulating knowledge. It's not just about us feeling better. It has to have an outworking. Here is the outworking. And next week, we're having chapter 14. And the week after, we're back here. Clive and Jane are coming, and they're going to end the series talking about 15 and 16 as one message. 
And all of those chapters keep answering this, this is what that looks like. It has to look like something. And I think God is saying, hey, there's new levels, there's new depth of what I want to do through you. There's new depth of awareness, of revelation, of what my heart is for people, of what I want you to do with your life. Now, I'm not saying your whole life has to change. You know, the person that stopped for the Samaritan, uh, the, the Samaritan that stopped for the person was still a Samaritan. He still went on, on its way, but he made a difference right there and then. It doesn't mean, you know, everything has to shift and I'm saying, pack your bags, change everything, quit. You. No, it's just an awareness. And I know I need to have that awareness as well. So would we pray together? Is that all right as we finish? Thank you, Jesus. Father, I want to thank you for your faithfulness, for that love that you demonstrated for us so clearly, so vividly throughout all of the scriptures. Jesus, you were the perfect example of what love love looks like. (laughs) And that didn't mean you were busy or in a rush ever. You walked everywhere. You had time for everyone. So, Father, I know that there's a way for that love to be expressed to the people around us, to our neighbors, whoever the neighbor are, as we establish, is just not the guy, not just the guy next door. But, Father, I know that there's a way in your grace for us as a body to move forward and love the people around us without us crumbling under what it means for our own lives. Father, I thank you that you would show us this week in the coming days as we cry out to you and say, hey God, I want to take that word to heart. Do something in me. Father, I thank you that you will show everyone what it means for them. And give them grace to then go out and be the light. Be the bearer of the armor of light. Recognizing the day that we live in. Paying that debt of love to everyone around them and around me, Father. Do it in me, Lord. Do a greater thing in my heart, in my mind. Father, I know that there is more that you want to do in each of us. Greater levels, greater depths. Not that things haven't been good until now, but Father, we are people on the move. Always moving forward. There's always a next step. From glory to glory, we move forward, Father, so that we would truly see a turning of the tide of a godless society. And Father, there's something in our heart that needs to rise that says we won't stop until we see that happen. Father, we need you, Lord, to do something in us so that we would see that happen every single day. A bit more of that tide turning back to you, people turning their hearts to you, having their eyes open and their lives changed, Father, healing going forth, words of wisdom and knowledge going forth because you have done something greater in us. We can do and pay back that to the world and have something great done in their lives through your spirit, Father, because out of ourselves, we're useless. We cannot do anything. We need you, Father. Lord, you are moving. In these days, you are moving. Seasons are changing. Eras are changing as well, Father. And your church today needs to look different. Father, show us what the next step is. Continue to enlighten us, to gently lead us along and to push us a little bit sometimes. Because, Father, our heart 
knows the hour that we live in. Our heart deep down wants those things. We want to honor you. We want to fulfill the great commission because we know that's what we are called to do. Our lives are not our own anymore, but it is you who who live in us. So Father, shine bright, shine through each of us. If there's anything that is there that keeps from that light going out, Father, deal with that. Deal with that, Father, in our hearts, in us as a body, Father, so that we can move forward in greater ways. Lord, we thank you for what you were saying. We thank you because although maybe a challenging word, Father, it always comes in in grace and love. And Father, you don't leave us where we are, but you enable us to move forward. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. Thank you for what you were speaking to us at this time, Father. And for myself, Lord, I say, me and my house, we will serve you, Lord. Me and my house, Father, we are here for it. Have your way in us, Lord. Have your way in us, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.